Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julia Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. Reversing a decision. This week, we're going to talk to Stephanie about the many decisions she's had to reverse over the years. Not make, reverse. And and she's going to share with us what she's learnt about how to get the reversing bit right. Stephanie is now an ambassador for Canada in the Lebanon. Before that, she worked in the corporate world and she draws on both experiences to give us really, 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 really practical advice. Because getting this right really, really matters. It matters for your own credibility. Face it, you will have to reverse some of your decisions occasionally. And getting the reversing right is crucial to your own credibility when you're leading. But I think it also matters because, I don't know if you feel this, but some of the most misery-making moments of my career have been, while I've been forced to implement what I know is a totally flawed strategy, and it's not just me who knows it, everybody knows it. And the only reason we're keeping on going on it is because the leader just cannot admit to having made the wrong decision. So we need Stephanie's practical advice on how to do it. Stephanie, reversing a decision has got to be one of the toughest things to do, or is it? I, I agree with that. I think in particular, the more visible your role is or the more forward leaning you are, uh, the more visible or forward leaning that the reversal of a decision is, right? And so not only do you have to manage that personal struggle with realizing perhaps that you've made a mistake or that you didn't pick the optimum solution, you also have to make it quite public and visible. And I think that can be difficult, definitely. It's, it's easier if you're Canadian. I would say so. I think, you know, it's important to frame your background and your upbringing when it, when it comes to having these conversations with your team or your coworkers or your clients. Uh, you know, in Canada, children are, are brought up with this, with this notion that to err is human, that everyone makes mistakes, that no one is perfect. And the idea is to acknowledge them before it's too late, not to hide from them, to learn from them and to really try not to reproduce them, right? So the idea is is you you should be allowed to make some mistakes and learn from them. The challenge becomes if you keep repeating the same mistakes and making the same errors, then that's indicative of a larger problem. But but the the normal human condition is is to not be perfect. I would guess that that gives you a huge advantage. Um, but it also must give you a bit of a disadvantage because you you perhaps don't recognise that for vast amounts of people in the world, especially women in the world, I think, um, 
reversing a decision is is not seen as a strength, but is is a fabulous weakness. Yeah, I I would agree with that. And I think even in that context that I described that I was, you know, raised in and brought up in, I think you still deal with the human element, right? That insecurity, imposter syndrome, whatever that might be of not wanting to admit uh, to a mistake, or if even if it's not a mistake, to reverse a decision to to correct a path or a, a particular vision that you might have had about a project or a product, whatever it is, I think you still do have that human element of not wanting to be wrong, of wanting to impress, I think, if you're if you're not very secure, you don't know your your management team very well. As you're just starting a new job, you certainly don't want to give the impression that you're not competent or, or or capable to do the job. So I think even in the context uh, that I described, uh, being up that upbringing, I think it's still really difficult to reverse a decision, and and all the more so when you're working, as you pointed out, with diverse and intercultural teams, because you can't make assumptions that everyone is thinking the way that you are or will react the way that you would. And so I definitely think it, it remains very difficult, of course. Yeah. So how do you do it then? Yeah, well, good. Yeah, good question. <laughs> so personally, uh, you know, I've been, like I said, I, I was pretty fortunate and I had understanding uh, managers when I was just starting out. And I think that that kind of molded me to the, the leader and the manager that I am now, which is, uh, you know, don't hesitate to reverse that decision or discuss that perhaps there's a better way to do things if it's not a full reversal, uh, but come to the table with some solutions, with some proposals. Don't just raise issues or problems or be defeated. You know, try to, okay, where, why am I realizing that this decision needs to be reversed or altered? And, and okay, has, is that because of an evolution of a situation? Try to look a little bit forward. With, will this happen again? Do I need to predict a little bit more? But I think you need to understand, you know, what's changed if, if nothing's changed, um, what happened, uh, so that the reversal or the modification of that decision is appropriate and you, and you focus on the solution. So hang on. Well, wait a minute. I'm going to go right back. So sure. when you make a decision... Do you include the possibility that this is the wrong one? Absolutely. So that's, Absolutely. that's actually point 0 0.1, isn't it? It's sort yes. of right at the beginning, you're making it clear that this is a decision because it's got to be made. It, it might not be perfect. Indeed, Correct. it might even be wrong, but that's what we're doing. And by saying that... Do you undermine people's confidence in you? I think it's personality driven. You certainly open yourself up to criticism, to not having waited until the time was appropriate to make the decision. Or if you modify it or alter it or reverse it, you're indecisive or wishy-washy, you know, or, or that you flip-flop on things. Again, I think as long as it's not constant, that you're not constantly doing this, I think people will still have confidence in you. Your, your team will still have confidence in you as a leader because I think you're acknowledging that something has changed or more information has been brought to light. And that's something you do by framing it at the very beginning to say, all right, we have to make a decision. Unfortunately, XYZ is still unknown. So, you know, with the information we have, this is where I want to go. Uh, and, and then let's adapt 
as we move along. Let's let's touch base again in a week or two weeks or whatever that time frame is. Um, at least we're we're getting started, and if we have to adapt, you know, we do it before we've gone too far. So the first act, if you're reversing, hmm. is to do people the dignity of explaining why. Exactly, and I think you need to and you need to admit. Or explain, because sometimes there could be something unforeseen that happens, a natural disaster that no one predicted, or the collapse uh, of a supplier, uh, you know, or the client, you know, budget just can't, you know, they can't make budget or they can't pay or, you know, there's some unforeseens. And and I think those are a lot more understandable and and, uh, certainly acceptable to employees. I think where it's more difficult to reverse, reverse the decision is where there isn't something drastic or unplanned, right? Where potentially, you know, and this has happened to me before, I've asked for a product, I've said, you know, I really like to communicate something, I'd like to have a a one page communications tool to publicize this information. And only once I had that draft did I realize that it wouldn't fly, nobody would be interested in this information. I'm interested, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't set it up properly for the team. And once it would be out there, it wouldn't make us look good. It's not, our audience would not be interested. And so this is difficult because people have put in the work. Actually, the product they delivered was exactly what you asked for, but only on visualizing it did I realize that it was a very inward looking communications product and I needed something that was going to resonate with an audience. And so I, I had to admit that that was on me and and thank the team for making me realize before we went public with a communications product that actually this doesn't speak to our audience and ask them if they agreed with me and they did actually. So, you know, that was a, an example of where they put in some work, but only after they put in all the work did I realize I had made a mistake in what I had asked them to deliver. So that's difficult because you, of course, you don't want people to work for nothing. Uh, I think, you know, if you can't retain any of it, you have to try to, you know, uh, is, is the theme at least okay? Or, you know, is the one color something that we can retain? You have to try to find something to, to not make someone feel like their, their entire effort was wasted. So I think you do have to try to find some positive when you're, when you're reversing and saying, listen, the, you know, we talked about the logo, but now that I'm seeing it, this is a, not a, a good representation. So let's work on a different type of logo. Try this type of visual instead, but keep the scale or keep the font or keep the color. I don't know, something at least so they feel like, and, and thank them. And I think some, you know, you have to acknowledge, go, listen, if it, if you hadn't delivered what I asked, or if you hadn't delivered in this way, it would not have prompted us to realize that we need something different. This makes it clear now that this is not the way to go. Something to try to, to, to acknowledge that someone's put some, some thought and some effort into something. And it's, uh, it's not their personal investment that you're crit- critiquing, it's the product. But you have to realize there's a person behind that product. And you try to save what you can. But sometimes you can't, you're right, you can't save everything. And then it's just a listen, I'm really sorry that you put in this work. And then depending if you have that flexibility as a leader is that, you know, why don't you take the rest of the day? I know this is going to be a disappointment. Let's come back at it fresh tomorrow. You know, does, does, are they going to need the time? Depending on their reaction, I mean, you know your team. Um, you may have to kind of concede a little bit of a break. Or let's just take a break for a couple of days and come back at it because you realize maybe they're just too raw still. And I think, we, you know, you have to acknowledge that that could be a reaction. 
reminds me of a French expression, which is reculer pour mieux sauter, take a step back so you can jump further. Um, But how do you decide timing? Because sometimes you need the momentum of moving on from this, come on, let's move on from this, go to the next one. And then sometimes, and you really need that momentum because the team needs the momentum, the energy to go to the next step. And then sometimes yep. you have to take a step. How do you how do you judge which situation you're in? Well, I mean, I think it depends how well you know your team. I think if if you have, I'm hoping that you know my organization is one or the team is one that they'll feel comfortable giving me that feedback. We're not ready. We need time, or we need to. And then if you can't give it to them, you need to have that honest conversation of, we don't have that time. So, so how can we manage this? I hear that you're frustrated. I hear that you're disappointed. I hear you've lost faith. We nonetheless, you know, have these responsibilities. What else? If it's not time, what else? Is it, you know, a a de-stressing exercise? Is it, is it a venting session? Is it, you know, counseling, you know, to, to try to find some, some some coping mechanisms because we don't have the time I think you need to have that conversation you need to be real about the fact that you can't give them maybe what they want but maybe there's something else that won't be as perfect and not exactly what they want but you're showing I think an openness to trying to give them something you're acknowledging that there's this impact and that morale is low and that their motivation is low and quite frankly sometimes that's the that's the team you have if you if you really can't fix it and you really don't have time you 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 know empathize acknowledge and nonetheless explain that we have this deadline and and we're going to have to deliver and hopefully you've built up credibility and and uh, camaraderie or a leadership that that they will muster through tell me about how do you because in, when you first said it you said why why we're reversing it and Mm. also will it happen again how do you persuade people it won't happen again so i think we have again in our organization we're fairly fortunate that we have a formalized post project or post initiative lessons learned exercise. So we call it a debrief or a postmortem, so to speak, where we review the project, what went well, what didn't go well. So even if we didn't reverse a decision, there's always something to be learned from an experience and to do better the next time. So I think that's what we, we, we make sure to do. And if there was a reversal of decision or an outright error, where we got a lot of bad feedback or we lost clients, for example, something to that nature, uh, you, you, you would document it. And just really make sure that it becomes part of your procedures, your policies of your organization. What are the secrets of leading a post-mortem meeting? I think, yeah, some of them are, you know, reiterating the rules of the game when you start about this isn't personal. This, This is not an opportunity to attack or to vent. This is an opportunity for us to come together as a team. And I think you start with the successes. What did we do well? You know, and, and, and what do we want to repeat? And that puts everyone in, in a little bit of a less defensive mood because we're celebrating, you know, what we did well. And we're, we're starting with that high level vision of it was a success and here's what we want to reproduce before you get into the where did we make some mistakes? Where could we have improved? It's very much a, 
a, a team building exercise to look at how can we be that stronger team. And I think if you frame it in that way and, and take away the, the defensiveness, people tend to contribute uh, fairly actively in my experience. If you had me in that team, I'd be thinking, yeah, yeah, of course it's not blame. Of course it is. And uh, could we just fast forward all the positive stuff? Because we all know we're aiming straight for the negative stuff. So how do you get me into your thinking? Because I don't think I'm the only one. No, fair enough. But I think I think we do have to focus on what went well, as, as because I think, in particular, when you're in a team, what I think went well may not be what somebody else thought went well. And so, to articulate it and to hear from others what was successful um, may trigger or make you think of something differently. You see it from another perspective, which I think is really important. And in particular then when you get to the errors, because some people won't see those errors or those reversal of decisions as the right thing either. So everyone has a different perspective. And I think you need to talk about those successes because you may not have realized it was a success, but the rest of the team did. And it's important for you to know that going forward because you didn't, you didn't particularly think of it. So that's what I would maybe try to explain for those who would want to go. And it's natural to kind of say, let's, we don't need to focus on what we did well. What we do well, we'll do well again. It'll be intuitive. And therefore, let's focus just on what we need to fix. But I don't think it's so intuitive, actually. I think we tend also maybe not to be as comfortable lauding our accomplishments or talking a little bit about what was particularly successful or what the brilliant ideas were. And I think I think that's important because it sets also the example going forward. We we want both. We want to do better by by recognizing that something was actually positive and we want to fix what what wasn't so positive. How early on do you apologize? Um well I mean I'm Canadian. <laughs> We're very yeah. quick with the sorry. We're internationally teased for how quickly we say sorry. Uh, so it comes f fairly quickly to me. If I've made a mistake and it's clearly a mistake, I'm very quick to apologize. But I think if a situation has evolved and new information comes to light and actually we could not have foreseen it or done it differently. I don't think that's a situation where you apologize. I think that's a situation where you sit and you take the time to explain what's changed, what new information has come to light, which has required us, then it's not a reversal of decision so much as a changing of the path or the course uh, or a modification, so to speak. I don't think you need to apologize for that. I think you need to be really honest that as situations evolve, your decision-making or, or your strategy will evolve, it's particular if it's a decision that is going to take place over the course of a 6 to 12 to 18 months, right? Things could happen that change. And I think you don't need to apologize for that. You need to acknowledge it and address it as soon as possible. Sometimes you need to put a hold and go, listen, this new thing is happening. Let's just wait a week and see how this plays out and see if, if it's going to impact us, you know, and just kind of lay that groundwork of uncertainty. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, too. It's very transparent and you're explaining your decision making and your thought process to the team that's implementing your thought process and your decision, right? We are a team. I think we, we can't hide that. So I think I would apologize if I've made a mistake uh, and if I've caused a lot of unnecessary work because I would feel bad. But I wouldn't apologize for uh, an evolution of a decision uh, because I think it's the, it's the right thing to do. I think we can't be too focused and too stuck on one particular course of action. We must keep assessing the environment and the conditions in which our decision is evolving 
and change that decision if we have to. Otherwise, I think you end up, you know, like I said, on long-term projects with a deliverable that's just no longer relevant. It's out of touch. So I, I think there needs to be an acknowledgement that, that there should be an evolution if it's a long-term thing. A friend the other day was having a sort of a big wash-up meeting mm. and she phoned me up and said, how should I run it? And I said, well, describe your plan to me. And the plan felt like almost 50% of this meeting was going to be a venting conversation. You know, ask me anything you want. I'll be transparent. I'll be visible. I'll tell you everything. I'll confess everything. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting because uh, maybe I'm too British, just as you're too Canadian. Um, uh, my answer was, I'm not sure that that's terribly motivating for everybody. And sometimes it may be motivating for one or two members of the team, and the rest of the team are sick to death of it. Yeah. I think I think if people really need to vent, they don't wait until that meeting to vent. You know, I think it happens organically, in my experience. If you're really frustrated, you know, you go, you kick that filing cabinet, you scream, you yell, you vent to a work friend, uh, and then you move on. I don't think it waits. And I, I feel, you know, there is some importance to venting. I think you do have to let off that steam. But I, I think there's a place for it. And I don't think those meetings are the place for it. Because I think those meetings, and, and you do, when you chair those meetings, have to steer it back. Because it can veer a little bit into the venting. I think you have to steer it back to understanding that there, you know, there, there are some things. Let's focus, okay, how do we fix it? Right? So you stop the vent by saying, all right, how do we fix that next time? You know, and, and force the solution to come. It's too easy simply to vent and complain, but not come up with a solution. So how do we fix it? Going forward, how do we fix that? Okay, let's stop looking back right now and let's look forward. What are we going to put in place to make sure that this doesn't happen again or to, and if we can't, uh, you know, I often say there's a, a big difference and in, in sanity comes sometimes in, in truly acknowledging the difference between understanding and agreeing with something. So I think we need to speak a lot so that we all understand something, but we're, you, there isn't enough uh, meeting space to get to a point where everyone will agree with everything. So understanding is important, agreeing, not so much. I feel if you understand the direction or the purpose or the mandate or the product, whatever, even if you don't agree it's the right one, as long as you understand, you can make your peace with it and you can move on. And I think it's really important. And so I, I, I try, I bring that back constantly in these meetings and say, this is about you not agreeing and we need to get back to understanding. Do you understand why we're doing Yes. Okay. Then, you know, we, agree, we under, you're not going to agree. You don't agree. Point noted, but you understand. So let's move forward. So I think that's a, a, an important distinction. Venting serves a purpose, but it's not very productive when you're looking at, formalizing what went well and what didn't go well into an organizational procedure or lessons learned document. So these steps help to make sure that as a leader, people stay with you. You hope admitting mistakes or admitting that you have to backtrack a decision or amend or modify a decision is part of being authentic. Again, as long as you're not doing it all the time, the important piece there that most of what you do should be on track. Uh, but occasionally it's not going to be. And I think if uh, you, you do, and I think that also leads by example, that's what you want 
your teams to be doing. I don't want to be surprised by mistakes or by decisions that were not the right decisions. I want them to also acknowledge that, you know, at their level, we were going, you know, in a certain direction that we've now realized and sorry, we spent money or we spent time or we did something and, but we feel it's important to, to amend this or, or retract this. I want to be supportive in that and say, okay, how do we fix it together? Right. So I think you need to 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 be that type of leader if you expect that in your team. You have experienced public sector or wherever of very large organizations where I suppose occasionally you're implementing decisions mm-hmm. that actually in a way you you don't get to reverse, even though you know they should be reversed. How do you cope with that? Sure. Um, I guess that, you know, how I do, yeah, when you're representing a large organization, public sector or private sector, right, you're representing that brand, you're representing that product or that position. You're, you're not yourself. You, you need to understand or make peace with the fact that you are representing that product, that brand, that organization. And that's the messaging you're putting out there when you're representing that organization. And that can be 24-7, right? That means you know, your family, your friends, your your network, they see you as that organization's representative. And, and therefore, they're hearing that organization's perspective, not your personal. And I think you, you need to be aware of that and you need to make peace with it. And again, I come back to the difference between understanding a position and agreeing with it. And I think as long as you understand it and you have faith in your organization that I don't think it's the right decision, perhaps, or I don't think it's the right brand or message, but I trust my organization. And so maybe I'm not right. I mean, I'm not always right. Maybe I'm wrong on this. They have a different perspective. Maybe they see things, you know, from a higher level or a more strategic level. And I have to have faith that this position is going to be the right one. And, and you fundamentally, though, if, if that happens too much, I think you need to look at if you're in the right organization. Right. If you're if you're constantly saying I can't get behind this organization's brand or product or messaging or I just don't think we're operating in the right way and it's constant, I think then, you know, quite honestly, you have to look at if you're the right fit. Right. You need to find an organization you believe in. I think it needs to be occasional that you're put in this position and not frequent or habitual, because I think in that case, there's a mismatch between you and and what you have as important um, priorities and your organization that you're representing. So you don't get the option of briefing a decision made by the whole organization and saying, I think this is a load of rubbish, but those guys up there tell us to do it. Yeah, certainly you're not saying that publicly. Maybe you're saying that to those guys up there. If you're, depending on your position in the organization, perhaps you have the flexibility to, to have that meeting and say, listen, I really don't think this is the way we should be going. I really believe we should be going down another path and here's why. And if they thank you for that input and, and tell you to go forward with their strategy or their message or their brand, nonetheless, then I think you have to do it. But you're right, it would be important to, ha- to be able to voice that you think there's a better way, but if they kind of dismiss that or tell you to, to keep going, again, as long as it's occasional and it's, and it's something that you can get behind because you know your job is to represent the organization and not your personal opinion, um, then I think that's, that's just part of the job. I think as a leader, you have to do sometimes when you're representing 
a brand, a product, or an organization. And ultimately, you have to make sure that that fit is right. Canadian or not, Stephanie, that was great. Not just on reversing a decision, but also, you know, the realities of living with decisions that aren't yours, that you can't reverse. So thank you so, so much. There was so much in there. It sort of haunted me. I keep on going back to those meetings that I've that I've led over the years. Well, I, I can hear myself say it. I can literally hear myself opening the meeting and saying, we all know what we did well, so let's focus on the things we could have done better. I absolutely know that I won't be saying that again. What I really loved about this episode is how Stephanie has given us really practical advice on how to express leading, how to put leading into practice, how to actually do it. But all the way through, she reveals to what extent all of that is rooted in who she is, the culture she was brought up in, the education she received. (laughs) Well, of course it is. It's her essence. It's her essence that's framing how she expresses her leading. So loved this episode enormously. So in the meantime, I send you lots and lots of love, Julia. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org. Over time, we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say, if that's leading, I'm in. Really